0: Morning Liberty.
1: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is my dog, Lovey. And I'm at my house, in my living room right now, on my couch, recording on a very mobile Set up as I'm sure you can hear at the moment, but we're still going to do a show. Happy Monday, everyone! I hope you had a great weekend. I'm hanging out here with the Fed Haters Club. They are posting their dog pictures right now because I just showed them. Uh, I just showed them Lovey. Move the camera around the seat to uh, to see her. Let me see what we're getting. See what kind of pictures we got. Got some great looking dog pictures. Listen, if I know that politics can be kind of boring and maybe you want to hang out in a group seeing stuff like that but do you really want to miss out on all of these dog pictures and videos that are getting posted in the live group during the show right now I don't think you do and you know that you don't so go to joingml.com so you can hang out with all hang out with all the fine folks on both sides in the fed haters club well what happened over the weekend Honestly, I'm not sure. I had a really busy weekend. I didn't pay that much attention to politics. I recommend everyone do that all the time. It was, it was pretty good. I didn't feel super stressed about things. We are going to talk about, however, this idea of woke, Ron DeSantis' war on woke, what it means for the poor, victimized, marginalized class. Are people on the right, in fact, going to start rounding up people on the left and putting them in camps? as this Salon article is somewhat suggesting. I don't know. I don't think that that's really going to happen. I I think that that's a little bit too far. We'll see. We'll see, though. Can we actually define it? Is this just some made-up word that Republicans use to fearmonger, to scare, to to gain more power and control? Uh, no. No, I don't really think that that's the case. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is, as I assume, maybe this will be a little bit of a shorter episode. Oh, by the way, Charlie's not here. He's out of town this week. I think we're going to have a couple guests come on this week. And I also think I'll get Charlie on a Zoom episode sometime this week when he's just sitting in a hotel room. He had some work traveling he had to do. And then his sister is participating, I think, in the in the Miss Louisiana pageant or something like that one of those pageants i don't really know i'm not i'm not paying i don't pay that much attention to those to those things so so he's gone doing that right now everything else is fine all right but you just got me right now let's talk about this little bit of news so we're in tennessee i'm in tennessee right now just outside of nashville and of course tennessee itself banned drag uh, not that long ago or if, if you looked at the news that's what it looked like they did but that controversial law has been struck down, rejected. How do you want to word it? Trump-appointed judge rejects Tennessee's anti-drag law as too broad and too vague. Now, before we go into this, I will state my disclaimer on it. I happen to agree with a ruling on this. I'm sorry. I don't agree with the things that they were trying to stop with this law. Okay? I I don't. I don't think it's right. You know, I don't think it's right to take your kids to things where people are um, undressing and making all kinds of sexual looking acts, stuff like that. It's pretty weird. It's also weird to be so adamantly in favor of doing those things in front of kids and feel comfortable doing that. That's all really weird. I think most of the people listening to this podcast right now can agree with that. But this law was not enforceable. It was never going to be enforceable. It was too vague. It was too subjective. There's no way you could go to a concert and find someone, a a background dancer dancing on stage and end up finding someone or arresting them the way that this law was worded. There was just no way for it to be enforced. Tennessee's first in the nation law designed to place strict limits on drag shows is unconstitutional. A federal judge says The law is both, quote, unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad and encouraged, quote, discriminatory enforcement, according to the ruling late Friday by U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump. Quote, there is no question that obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment, but there is a difference between material that is obscene in the vernacular and material that is obscene under the law. Simply put, no majority of the Supreme Court has held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic, or scientific speech, he said. Now, we had a, Charlie and I had a big discussion about this uh, when he was here. We were talking about doesn't the government have an interest in protecting children from harmful things? And I think that they do. Although I don't know how you're going to define harm in this case. I, I, Without it being nudity, I don't know how you're going to be able to define harm in this case. I'm sorry. I think that we can judge people, we can shame them, we can, t- we can post the videos online and talk about how terrible they are. I don't know how a law is going to be able to define this. I'm telling you, I've gone to con- just a concert where people were dancing on stage and that under this law i don't know how it wouldn't have been illegal now this law was never actually enforced and we're here in nashville which is music city you know uh, so they could be going out to every show every night and arresting people on stage i guess if they want to because they were minors allowed to be young people allowed to be at those shows Uh, so so what are you going to do i don't know how it's actually ever possible to enforce something like this The word drag doesn't appear in this law, by the way. Instead, the lawmakers changed the state's definition of adult cabaret to mean, quote, adult-oriented performances that are harmful to minors. Furthermore, male or female impersonators were classified as a form of adult cabaret akin to strippers or topless dancers, so male or female impersonators. Now, how do you male or female impersonate? That would be a tough one also. Because it's not just that they uh, strap something on or something like that. It could be male or female clothing. You could say, well, uh, a guy wearing a dress, what about a girl wearing a suit? How do you define, is it really, the, is the government going to define male or female clothing? Where are they going to draw the line? Are my dad's favorite 70s bands going to be illegal because they were wearing female clothing while they were on stage? What are the rules here? How are you going to enforce this? I don't think they can. So all in all, I think this is actually a good ruling. I think it's a good thing. I don't think this was ever going to be enforced. Uh, If it was enforced, I think it was actually gonna make the problem worse. And so if they wanna make something more targeted, if they want to define these terms a little more clearly, then I think they can do that. They basically said that this was too broad, too vague, uh, and that's what made it unconstitutional, essentially. We'll see. We'll see what they do. This could, they could have known this. The people in Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature, they could have known the whole time that this is what was going to happen. In fact, there's a good chance that they did know that this was going to happen. But at least they got to say that they did something. At least they got to pass the law and say that they tried to stop this and they couldn't. And then they look good and nothing actually changes. You know what did actually change? Here's the problem. Things actually got worse in the culture, because people saw something that they wanted to fight against. Man, you can't do anything in Nashville without hearing about this. All the Nashville artists, you see Taylor Swift going around, uh, Haley from Paramore, uh, every show that you go to, it's all the time. And especially after this anti-drag bill, as they call it, even though the word drag wasn't in it, but that was clearly, clearly the intention. It actually just made this reactionary political environment even worse and created an even bigger reaction so uh, let me look through the group here it's tough to it's tough to watch the group and talk the whole time let me see libertarians should we advocate against new laws while advocating for enforcement of current laws like disturbing the peace where applicable i would say i would say yes to that and then you know the where i where i want to draw the line is There is indecent exposure, right? We have indecent exposure. definitely doing things like that in front of children, well, that's a problem. Um, How broad is that definition? Is it just nudity? Is it performing sexual acts? Is it putting on fake, albeit real-looking private parts and doing what looks like performing those activities in front of kids? Uh, at what point does that become the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're the flasher, Jeff. <laughs> I was just watching The Office this morning, and actually, I watched Parks and Rec for a while before that. So, uh, but I watched the uh, what was it, the customer, sur- customer survey episode. Anyway, we don't have to talk about The Office right now. Let's go into talking about Woke after this. Sorry, I was just thinking about my favorite Office episodes, and I wish you were in the group so you could see this GIF that Jeff just posted. It's great. Now, on Friday, Ron DeSantis, I believe it was on Friday, made some statements about Woke. Now, he is the the anti-Woke warrior out there. He's the anti-Woke culture warrior. He's our anti-Woke general that is fighting the war on woke on all of our behalfs. That's, that's essentially how he has branded himself. And it's actually given him a way to uh, differentiate himself from Trump because Trump said that he didn't want to use the word woke because no one could define it. And that's where some of these responses from DeSantis came in. I'm not going to go through this article from Salon, but the, the title of it is The Other Threat to Democracy. And the subtitle here, his war on woke is silly. But if DeSantis has done nothing else, he's shown that he is deadly serious. And essentially, this war on woke, which they say woke is not even a real thing, but if you do define it and you use the words Marxism, you're actually a racist or a fascist or a Nazi. And in fact, wanting to fight woke makes you a racist, a fascist Nazi. And you're basically, basically going to do the same things that Hitler did to Jews during the Holocaust. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, that That's weird how they've tried to draw that comparison. I don't think I've ever heard anyone do that before. Huh. Man, I, we're going to figure out how to, define, how to uh, defend against this one. Well, let's play a couple videos from what he said, and then I've got a thing from Nina Turner and a thing from Robert Reich III uh, about... Their responses to what DeSantis said. Let me actually pull those up. Hey, I'm on a mobile setup right now. Everyone calm down. Everyone be nice. Let's play DeSantis.
0: The
2: so he doesn't like to use woke because people don't know what it means. That's obviously been a big part of your messaging. What do you say to that? Look, we know what woke is. It's a form of cultural Marxism. It's about putting merit and achievement behind identity politics, and it's basically a war on the truth. And as that has in infected institutions, it has corrupted a lot of institutions. So you've got to be willing to fight the woke. We've done it in Florida, and we proudly consider ourselves the state where woke goes to die.
1: The state where woke goes to die. He says that it's a war on the truth. I think that uh, that that is true. I don't think it's. I wouldn't say it's a war on the truth. I think it's a war on truth itself. That there is no truth. Uh, that everything is subjective. That anything could be anything. And that any that your reality is true to you, and that we must treat that as true. Uh, it's. I, I think that that's your personal truth. Uh, is part of that woke ideology. I want to listen to him say a couple more things before we start trying to define it ourselves here. And just so you guys know, in the live group, I would like to hear your short definition. When someone says woke, what does that mean?
2: Well, woke is a is an existential threat to our society i mean it's a attack on truth it's a form of cultural marxism and it really subordinates merit and achievement to things like identity politics you can't have a vibrant free society if every institution is dominated by woke ideology and to say it's not a big deal uh that just shows you know you don't understand what what a lot of these issues are right now
1: all right so instead of a meritocracy instead of instead of deciding things based on merit uh we we do this identity politics and that's part of the woke uh culture as well and he says it's part of cultural marxism so we'll talk about that here in a minute of course cultural marxism itself is just a conspiracy theory that was created by right-wing nutjobs Um that's what you would find on the Internet if you started to uh, to look into it. Here's another clip of Ron DeSantis talking about woke
3: It's right now. The time for Ron DeSantis to run for president.
2: Because the, everyone knows if I'm the nominee, I will beat Biden uh, and I will serve two terms and I will be able to uh, destroy leftism in this country and leave woke ideology on the dustbin of history.
1: He will destroy leftism in this country and leave woke ideology in the dustbin of history, which is one of his new things, uh, one of his favorite things to say, because he says that uh, at a couple different points here. One more clip where DeSantis is pulling from Winston Churchill and the way that he is going to fight the woke.
2: As president, I recognize that The woke mind virus represents a war on the truth, so we will wage a war on the woke. We will fight the woke in education. We will fight the woke in the corporations. We will fight the woke in the halls of Congress. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. We will make woke ideology leave it to the dustbin of history. It's gone.
1: All right, so more of his War on Woke. Now, we need to at least know what that is. I've got a couple other videos here from, uh, I think, a Bill Maher video that we'll listen to here in a minute. Let me double check and make sure that's enough. Yeah, then we got this Tim Scott thing I'm going to play uh, a little bit later. All right, so Nina Turner, she says, Hey, Ron DeSantis, please define woke. And don't use that cultural Marxism line, because that means nothing. If you're going to have a war on something, say what you mean. So, Nina Turner, and I'll paraphrase a tweet that I responded to her with, she does a very woke cultural Marxist thing here. Uh, She asked someone to provide a definition Says that the definition that the person provided is not good enough and means nothing, and that you must say it in a different way. And then says, if you're going to have a war on something, say what you mean. So Ron DeSantis says what he means. She says, that doesn't mean anything. Don't use that. Say what you mean. Okay, that's a very woke cultural Marxist thing to say, to, the, to define what words people can and can't say, what definitions people can and can't give, and to act like they didn't give a definition for the thing that they're talking about and then demand that they give a definition afterwards. That's a pretty good example. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Think about this with me, folks. Seriously, I want you to think about it for a minute. Over the past week, how much time did you spend on yourself, on things that you needed and wanted, versus the amount of time you spent on other people? I mean, actually, what's the answer to that? For me, <sighs> I didn't want to tell you the ratio. It's not that great. It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? What do I need? Therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched too thin and burned out. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a lot of few questions on the website to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Hey, listen, my life was changed because I chose to go to therapy. Charlie still uses BetterHelp. He's been using it for a few years. He loves it, loves the app. Seriously, if you're thinking about this, I highly recommend BetterHelp. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot GML. Robert Reich says so what exactly does woke mean ron desantis's own general he put apostrophe s after ron desantis again and right like teaches at harvard or something i need someone to confirm whether or not desantis uh possessive form needs an apostrophe s or just an apostrophe my guess was just an apostrophe i need someone to let me know All right, I do have to ask my mom about this, actually. Okay, actually, while we're, listen, while we're talking, I'm going to take a picture of that right there. I'm going to send that to my mom and ask her if this is correct. She's going to know what the proper answer is on this, and I will let you know. Ron DeSantis' own general counsel has defined woke as the belief there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. Right continues. He's right. We all need to be woke. Now that is actually really close to the definition of woke. The accepted definition of woke. Uh, I I pulled that up. So the belief that there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. So when you look at you look at Webster's. Okay, they say woke is now defined in the dictionary as aware of and actively attentive. To important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. I think that this is a pretty good definition. Here's the problem. It's not even the problem in the definition, it's in the problem in what it means. The belief that there are systemic injustices in American society, being awake to those things, being aware of those things. Well, what qualifies as a systemic injustice? That's one of the main problems. Because this has gone so far that Any inequality in society is because of some type of systemic injustice. Therefore, any inequity or inequality must be brought to justice somehow, which is a very dangerous ideology. It's this idea of equity, that we're all going to be truly equal, and that's just going to bring us all down to being truly equally poor. So let's go through just a little bit of what I think this means. Now, Ron DeSantis, he says, it's part of cultural Marxism. I think he's right about that. Here's the problem when you look at cultural Marxism. It just talks about a bunch of conspiracy theories, all right? There's the, the theory that to push America into being a communist country, there was this, this plan laid out to take over all of the major institutions and to uh, basically bring this Marxist ideology into our culture now. I'm not saying that there was no plan to ever do that, and I'm not saying that we are right now living in the result of this plan that was carried out over a long period of time. But I would say that those idea that those ideas and that ideology, this Marxist ideology is in our is in our culture. That this cultural Marxism is something that is a very useful term for defining the word woke i think that people see the world as a power struggle between victims and oppressors that there that any inequity and inequality has been derived from an imbalance in that victim versus oppressor mentality and it's not just racial it could be anything in society and all the way down to all the way up to the the climate, climate change. We use this victim versus oppressor mentality to talk about climate change. The oppressors have been polluting. The victims have to deal with the fallout. The poorest among us are disproportionately affected by the effects of climate change. We've all heard it a ton of times. Okay, so This victim versus oppressor thing is what I would actually look at as being the the cultural Marxism. The woke recognize this idea as a fact and they seek justice for this fact and they claim that their ideas are going to solve any future problems. That if you can get justice... For this inequity and inequality, which is created because there are victims and there are oppressors, and our whole world is a power struggle, if you can get justice for this, then we'll have a a better world afterwards. Now, the conspiracy theory about cultural Marxism being a concerted effort to undermine America and turn it into a communist nation—I'm not saying that that's why we're here. I'm not saying that that plan was enacted or that it ever worked. I'm just recognizing that that's where we are right now. I tend to be more on the side of this all being the natural tendency of humans and governments, which are just collections of humans, collections of people. Uh, People want the easiest path possible through life. Not everyone, okay? Not everyone listening right now. But people want the easiest path through life, and they'll listen to someone when someone tells them that whatever situation they're in, that it's not their fault. They'll also tell you whose fault it is, so you know who to blame other than yourself. And then they say that they're going to solve that problem. They're going to seek justice on your behalf and they're going to solve all of your problems. And people are willing to, uh, to gravitate towards that because it removes some of their personal responsibility, some of their own blame, some of their own need to change, which is difficult. Governments want more power, and so people in governments i think this is just something that that we naturally gravitate towards so governments want more power and governments gain more control every time a subject or a citizen accepts their victimhood status so anytime someone accepts that they're a victim to some oppressor the government gets a little bit more powerful because who's going to solve that problem well they have to the government has to use force to rebalance the scales so you're going to want the government to Seek justice on your behalf. And then, of course, the government's going to solve this problem for everyone in the future. And by the way, you never hear the the cool thing about this is that you never actually have to solve the problem. You just have to talk about solving the problem. And then when you don't solve it, you say, Well, that's because you didn't give me enough power to solve the problem. It works really well. What's interesting now, we've seen this with a lot of stuff, we saw it with uh, critical race theory which is part of the woke cultural Marxist ideology. We know that. It doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. This is not something that people have to deal with. And now we're seeing it with, we're seeing a lot with woke. They're like, oh, you can't even define it. You're just saying this thing. This is not something that's happening right now. And by the way, you're a fascist Nazi for bringing this up in the first place and you hate black people. You know, that's that's pretty much what we're hearing. This is the typical playbook of people who want to gain something from gaslighting people and projecting and playing the victim. They, they take the power in every major institution. Once again, I'm not saying that that was a plan. I'm saying this just happens to be something that happened. They poison the minds of millions of people by telling them that they're oppressed, why they're oppressed, how it doesn't matter what they do, they can't do anything to fix their oppression unless you give them more power and more ability to take money. Everything wrong in their lives is due to some form of oppression and how they must destroy the system, sometimes by any means necessary, in order to seek justice and make life more fair for everyone. And notice I said more fair, I didn't say better for everyone, because making life more fair doesn't exactly require that life gets better for all of us. If someone's rich, it's because they're an oppressor. If someone's poor, it's because he's a victim. If your neighbor has more than you, you're a victim, he's likely an oppressor, unless your neighbor's black and you're white, in which case he earned it and you wasted your white privilege. Uh, They spew cherry-picked statistics, spotlight specific instances of violence in order to feed the narrative. And by the way, they get the victims to vote them in the public offices where they promise to tax and spend in order to seek justice and set up more fair society. They spend trillions of dollars and they never solve the problem. It's always still the oppressor that's stopping them from solving it. And then after the victims are all riled up and they get all upset and we have all this unrest in our society. And then people start to fight back, like, let's just say us, we say, oh, we don't like this woke ideology that's tearing our country apart. Well, then they're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. We're not pushing some kind of crazy ideology to all these people. What do you mean? I don't even know what you're talking about. What, what, Marx, Marxism? Marx? Can you spell that for me? I've never heard of it before. What is, it, what is this thing that you're talking about? I have no idea what this is. I'm surprised right now that, that we're having this conversation. They gaslight you. They treat you like you're crazy. That's what's been happening. And that's what's happening right now when people, a lot of people are using the term woke. And even I sometimes refrain from saying it because I've heard so many people criticize the use of the word. And it's pretty nuts how that works. So what do you do about this? Can you actually eradicate an ideology? Because now we're going to go back to some of the things that Ron DeSantis has said. Where he says that he's going to destroy leftism. Can you actually eradicate an ideology? Like Michael Knowles said when it comes to uh, transgenderism, I don't think that you can eradicate an ideology because you decided to eradicate an, ide- an ideology. Like when you say, I'm going to eradicate this ideology, you can't do it. Can it be eradicated because they were better ideas or you weren't feeding that ideology money and power the whole time? Sure, sure it can be eradicated. You can ensure that the government's not favoring one idea over another and that people's natural rights are being protected. Those are rights where you don't have to force someone else to do something on your behalf. Your natural rights are protected and that the incentives monetary incentives or threat of actual physical force, prison time, things like that, are not set up to push institutions in a certain direction. ESG, DEI, things like this. In the absence of these, a uh, meritocracy is going to develop. And we're moving away from the meritocracy right now. And that's where, uh, that's where Ron DeSantis said that that's going to destroy the free, a free society can't flourish. Uh, in that scenario, now am I going to vote for Ron DeSantis? I kind of already said that I'm not going to vote for Ron DeSantis because I think he's, I think he's a guy who's more likely to sign a law trying to outlaw an ideology. Now he, as far as removing this from our government institutions, I think that that's a good thing. I do. Is he going to do? Is he going to do all these things in the way I think he should? No. Do I, would I only vote for a perfect candidate? No, I don't think that's the case. But I worry about someone's foundational principles and whether or not they would be able to stop themselves from, from going too far. And the thing I worry about when people go too far is that they actually create a worse problem that we all have to deal with later. Not to mention whether or not they'd be violating people's rights, but you could actually make the whole problem worse while thinking that you're going to make it better. So that's my issue right now. I think it's important when it comes to, it's June, it's Pride Month, okay? Interesting that we got this ruling on Tennessee's drag bill uh, for June. A Nice little, I guess, it's kind of the time of the year where we get a lot of rulings, so uh, we know that. But um, it's it's important to remember that the Pride movement came as an opposite reaction to the shame movement. Uh, that a lot of people were put through, and a lot of people are still put through. Did it go too far? Yes, it did. Uh, it's not pride anymore. It's a, it's uh, acceptance, and it's it's agreeing, it's adhering, it's assimilating. It's all all sorts of different things. All right, but a reactionary movement like this is not going to be eradicated without a real, a, a real ideological movement in the opposite direction. And however painful, it's likely that this will take generations to sort out. Consequences must be faced and lessons must be learned. And that's how people actually change. What I mean by that, and not when it comes to kids. Listen, I know people are going to throw fits about it, but I'm not... I. I I'll never get on board with mutilating or chemically castrating children, which is something that people think that uh, you should just be able to do these days. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna try and protect the kids. When it comes to people who are not minors anymore, people are gonna have to learn. They're gonna have to go through some of these. Now, Right now, clearly, we're talking about the trans issue, but they're gonna have to go through some of these procedures, take some of these drugs, and destroy their lives, and eventually enough people are going to destroy their lives, that the movement's going to have to go in the opposite direction. You're not going to be able to ignore it anymore, and that might be the only way that we actually stop this from happening. I, I, I really, I really think that that's going to be the case. Now, I wanted to show you a video before we uh, go today, and this is the opposite of woke. But first off, I'll show you what Bill Maher had to say about woke. Well, let's let's talk about that. Sorry, I kinda got off on a tangent there and I forgot that I had other stuff lined up to talk about. I want to play what Bill Maher had to say about what what is a woke.
0: Democrats sometimes can take it too far or you know, I would I would categorize liberal as different than woke. You know, woke which started out as a good thing, alert to injustice, who could be against that? But it became sort of an eye roll because they love diversity except of ideas. And that's not really where we should be. I mean, they have a, a trail of very bad ideas, I, I would think, uh, in, in wokeness. like How do you define wokeness? Because I hear people use the term all the time, and it means something different to, to everybody. Well, again, I think it's this collection of ideas that uh, are not building on liberalism, but very often undoing it. I mean, five years ago, I don't, I, Abraham Lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals. We liked him. Now, they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Um, You know, five, ten years ago, bedrock liberalism was, we are striving to be a colorblind society where we don't see race. Um, Of course, we see it, but it doesn't matter. That's not what woke is. Woke is something very different. It's it's identity. Po- it's we see it all the time. It's always the most important thing. I don't think that's liberalism.
1: Okay, so one of the play, Bill Maher getting his definition out there. That was from a bit ago, a couple months ago, maybe uh, when he was talking about that. Uh, so that's a that's a pretty good pretty good one too. Uh, I've seen some other people define it as illiberalism and so anti-free speech, uh, anti free speech, anti. Just all of everyone having their own ideas, and that being a good thing, and us all being our own person. I I think that that's part of it. I think that that's a consequence of the ideology. You got to remember, if if you believe that in this victim oppressor uh, mentality, and you actually believe that everyone is being victimized by whatever group of people, of course, it's just whoever's doing better than you are. Um, If you actually believe that then you would go to any lengths to try and stop it. If you think that every person that dies is a result of some some type of systemic injustice, then you would go to any length to try and stop that. And yes, that includes free speech, I guess, uh, for, for these people, or not allowing these very dangerous ideas. So I think wokeism and cultural Marxism includes uh, illiberalism, but I think that it's as a consequence of the of the main baseline ideology uh, so let's let's play something that is the opposite and what people don't want to hear. I think we have enough time here yeah we can do that uh, I just wanted to play this I thought it was a really good response from Tim Scott talking to people on the view. this is what people. On the left, or leftist or social justice warriors, as we used to call them, the kids out there these days, we used to have problems with people known as social justice warriors. And that's what this is. That's what this is now. It's called woke. That's that's what's going on. Let's see what Tim Scott had to say to the people on The View.
2: You have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism?
1: Let me ask, answer the uh question
3: that you've answered
2: or does it even exist in your
3: mind let me uh, answer the question this way one of the things that i think about and one of the reasons why i'm on the show is because of the comments that were made frankly on this show that the only way for a young african-american kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule that is a dangerous offensive disgusting message to send to our young people today that the only way to succeed is by being the exception i will tell you that if my life is the exception uh, uh-huh. I can't imagine. But, but I can't it imagine. is. But it's not, actually. Here's, here's, it's been here's
2: 114 about. years.
3: Yeah, so so the fact of the matter is we've had an African-American president, African-American uh, vice president. We've had two African-Americans to be secretaries of the state. Uh, in my home city, uh, the police chief is an African-American who's now running for mayor. The head of the highway patrol for South Carolina is an African-American. Still in nineteen In 1975, um, there was about 15% employment in the African-American community for the first time in the history of the country. It's under 5%. 40%.
2: And, homelessness and 50%, of 50% of the folks get, in our community 13% made, of the population. I, you the to
3: ask the question. I know that I've watched you on the show that you like people to be deferential and respectful. So I'm going to do the that same is thing. True. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest the fact of the matter is that progress in America is palpable. It can be measured in generations. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then with some doubt now in the goodness of America, because he believed that having faith in God, Mm -hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids would unleash opportunities in ways that you you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look, just change the stations and see how much Mm -hmm. progress has been made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. And for us to so suggest- So
0: America has met its promise.
3: No, of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we face 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you, you measured that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African-Americans got a high school degree, wow. diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that That's we've
2: an had... HBCU stat.
3: Well, listen, HBCU's app is a good okay. one because one of the reasons why I took the funding for HBCU's to the highest level in the history of the country and then I helped make it permanent is because I believe that education is the closest thing to magic in America. So I'm about making sure that our kids have as many opportunities to succeed as possible. It's one of the reasons why I need I did, an
2: opportunity to well, succeed because I have to go to
3: Br- oh, They're big. Br-
2: they're big. They're,
0: they're,
3: they're <laughs> real common, are just,
0: coming back. Okay.
1: I wanted to play that to finish things off, because that is the opposite of the woke ideology, this idea that that anyone can succeed in America, and that things are so much better than they were before, and that this idea of progress, and and 50 years from now, that we're not going to be arguing over the same problems that we are right now. And it was also interesting that, man, they... I didn't watch the entire interview, but they weren't just cutting him off and arguing with him and telling him that he didn't know what he was talking about. We did play the clip last week or the week before where Whoopsie was talking about Tim Scott and Clarence Thomas and how they didn't know what it was like to be black in America. And that's why they were Republicans. And you can see that it's a little bit different when the person's there at the table. And I do like how uh, nice and respectful they were being, just giving them some props on this. But this is the exact message uh, that, the, that the wokesters don't want you to hear. And that's why people like him are so dangerous. I'm not, this is not an endorsement of him. I'll be 100% honest. I know nothing about his ideology or his policies whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I don't know anything about him. It seems like a nice enough guy. If any of you guys have any uh, type of idea about him in the group here, well, let me know. Let me know what you think. Well, well, I'll check him out sometime. We'll see if it's we'll see if it's worth considering for a vote. But I have no idea what his policy ideas are at all. Listen, everyone, I'm getting out of here. It's time for me to go. I want to thank you for hanging out with me as I sit here in my living room on my couch, using my little mobile podcasting setup here. And um, I, I think that we defined what some of the wokes believe today. Maybe not fully. I'm sure people would say that we still didn't define it. Um, but, th- but that's okay. Those people can be wrong. One thing I would say that's a little bit different from just the straight-up Marxism would be the, the, the wokes' idea that anything could be anything. The idea in subjectivity. Not that that doesn't exist in Marxism because you have to be little subjective. You, You have to believe in alternate realities. You have to believe that anything can be the truth. But I don't think it was as brazen as what we have today. This is actually bled out all the way into our culture, and not just when we talk about economics. Huh. I wonder if that's what cultural... Marxism is. Anyway, if you enjoyed today's episode, as I'm sure you um, might have, I don't know. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children. I'm sorry Charlie's not here right now. He's going to be back. Everything's going to be okay. I know things don't sound like normal and I'm not quite as ready, but listen, thank you for bearing with us during these tough, trying times while I sit here on my couch and hold my pillow and don't do anything. And I'm going to watch The Office after this, and it's going to be awesome. So thanks for hanging out with me. If you do all the things that I just said, uh, then I'll see you tomorrow for Tuesday. Something to do on, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.